Cambridge Analytica shuts its doors, saying it's lost all of its customers. And Australia's Commonwealth Bank spots a big, bad potential data breach. These stories and more, coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Surprising no one, Cambridge Analytica, the controversial London-based data analytics firm at the heart of the Facebook data scandal, has announced that it's closing its doors. The company claims it's gone bankrupt after its CEO, Alexander Nix, was caught on an undercover video by British broadcaster Channel 4 outlining a number of ethically questionable tactics employed by his firm. The company's board suspended Nix following the video's broadcast. Cambridge Analytica reportedly received 87 million personal details on Facebook users from Cambridge University lecturer Alexander Kogan, who ran his own company called Global Science Research. About 70 million affected users were in the United States, with the remainder in Australia, the United Kingdom, and the Philippines, among other countries. Cambridge Analytica disputes the 87 million figure, saying it was closer to 30 million. It also claims that although it worked on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, it didn't use any of the Facebook data for that purpose. Facebook has faced sharp questions about whether it adequately protected users' data. CEO Mark Zuckerberg has testified before House and Senate committees, and members of the UK Parliament have demanded that he testify before them as well. Chris Vickery, director of cyber risk research at security firm UpGuard, testified before a parliamentary committee on Wednesday about how the Facebook data could be used to try and influence people's opinions. Facebook and any platform that people interface with can be used as a manipulation tool to influence opinions and actions and behaviors. An example that I gave uh, on Twitter of a way that you could use advertisements to not only uh, their original intended way to bring a message to somebody, there's also to suppress a message. If you know that a certain percentage of people are adverse to, let's say, a certain color, they, they just this group of people hates purple. If you don't want people to see that your opponent is advertising a rally or whatever, you can make sure there are purple ads shown when people click on an article about that rally. If you understand what makes people hate something, you can make sure that ads appear that bring about that hate. So you can influence people to not like something as almost as easily as you can influence somebody to like something. You just need to understand the modeling and the graphs and all that stuff. Basically, the work that's been done would enable that type of uh, action to be taken. The work that Vickery is referring to is a reference to his having found unprotected, publicly downloadable files on servers run by Aggregate IQ, a Canadian political data firm active in the 2016 U.S. presidential race. Vickery says Aggregate IQ is one of a number of firms, including Cambridge Analytica, that appear to have been used not only by U.S. politicians, but also by pro-Brexit groups that campaigned for Britain to exit the EU during the country's 2016 referendum. Lawmakers say such coordination would have been illegal. Some British MPs have accused Cambridge Analytica of attempting to foil investigators by declaring bankruptcy and setting up a new shop. But the UK's Information Commissioner's Office, in a statement, says that it will continue its civil and criminal investigations and will seek to pursue individuals and directors of companies 
even if those companies are no longer in operation. In addition, the ISCO is promising to monitor closely any successor companies, not least to ensure the public is safeguarded. But security experts say this scandal is much bigger than any one company or social network. Here's Raj Samani, chief scientist at security firm McAfee. What I want to touch on the Cambridge Analytica stuff is it shows us an issue that we have within modern society. I don't want to sit down and point the fingers at Facebook because the reality is, is that there are so many other companies that are exploiting and monetizing our personal data. There are companies who said we're not going to spend any money with Facebook because we're angry and yet these same companies are exploiting our personal data. So it's a little rich in my opinion. I think we've got to ask ourselves as an industry like what are we going to do because we sit down and we moan on Twitter and we get angry on Twitter and yet the reality is that people are still giving data away. People are still sharing everything way too promiscuously. So I think we've got to figure out what our role is within general society because right now something is not working in my opinion. Samani, who's also an advisor to Europol, the EU's law enforcement intelligence agency, says it's also up to information security professionals and privacy experts to step forward and ensure that we, as a society, are having the types of discussions we need to be having to ensure that our personal data isn't being used against us. We've got to ask ourselves a question. Are we communicating things effectively? Are we articulating to general society these are the challenges and issues that we face. I mean, in my opinion, parental control software should be ubiquitous on every platform. Every child should have a safe environment to work, and yet we know that doesn't happen, just as an example. And so are we articulating the issue appropriately? I don't think we are. Maybe we need to change the way that we approach things as well. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Next, ISMG's Jeremy Kirk details a massive potential data breach that's just come to light at Australia's Commonwealth Bank. Commonwealth Bank has confirmed that two magnetic tapes containing transaction information went missing two years ago after a subcontractor mishandled them. The tapes contained information for 19.8 million accounts spanning a period between 2000 and 2016. The incident likely ranks as one of the largest losses of data to become public in Australia, which is a population of around 26 million people. The data gaffe stayed under wraps for two years until BuzzFeed published a report late Thursday. The tapes were supposed to be destroyed by Fuji Xerox, a contractor that offers data destruction services. The bank launched an investigation in May 2016 after it didn't receive certification that the tapes were destroyed. It also notified two regulators, neither of which took action against the bank. Customers also were not notified at the time. Commonwealth's acting executive for retail banking services, Angus Sullivan, explains why. We consulted with the Privacy Commissioner at the time, and a decision was made not to alert customers, given the outcome of our investigation, which found the tapes were most likely disposed of. In these cases, we balance the need to alert customers without unnecessarily alarming them. However, Commonwealth did begin sending emails to its customers on Thursday, notifying them of the incident. Troy Hunt is an Australian data breach expert who runs the Have I Been Pwned data breach notification website. He says the fact the data was on magnetic tapes likely influenced the bank's decision not to notify customers. Uh, look, it's it's not the same as a USB stick. Let's let's be fair. You're not just going to chuck it into your drive and, and you're good to go. It would take uh, someone who knew that there was value in this thing and then went out and invested effort to, to do it. So far, Commonwealth says there's no evidence the information has been misused. 
It continues to monitor the affected accounts for suspicious activity. The tapes contain customer names, addresses, account numbers, and transaction details, but not passwords or PINs. The transaction data on the tapes range from 2000 through early 2016. The data was not encrypted, and it remains unclear why Commonwealth didn't delete the data before passing it to the contractor, Troy Hunt. But saying that we're going to put all this stuff unencrypted on a moving vehicle and ship it from one location to another and hope nothing goes wrong along the way, I, I think, to be honest, is, a, um, uh, is, is problematic. Even if Commonwealth thought it made a reasonable decision about whether to disclose the breach to consumers two years ago, the BuzzFeed story clearly prompted the bank to change its mind. Part of that decision may be to control the narrative around the breach. Also, late breach notifications don't sit well. Uber, for example, was skewered for a data breach that it covered up at the time and only admitted to a year later. It's something to keep in mind with breaches. Even if there's no legal obligation to disclose, it may, in the long run, look worse if there's a delay. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Cybercrime is a global phenomenon. While the United States, Canada, and Western Europe remain top targets for fraudsters, they're by no means the only areas of the world in which cybercrime is flourishing. Threatmetrics, a risk authentication firm, says that in the first three months of 2018, it saw a massive increase in cybercrime attacks, including from South America. The top five countries globally from which attacks originate include the United States and Brazil, it says. But Argentina and Colombia have now cracked the top 20. Liv Rowley, an intelligence analyst at cybersecurity firm Flashpoint, says that while cybercrime is hot in Brazil, there's also a healthy and distinct Spanish-speaking cybercrime community in Latin America. Definitely on the Spanish side, we also see targeting of financial institutions. So compromising bank accounts, and stealing credit card information, compromising ATMs. Uh, but we also see a lot of focus on retail-related fraud. So uh, taking those compromised credit cards and then buying stuff online, we see a lot of that. The most popular site serving the community, she says, is Saboyachan 3.0, a hacker forum reachable only via the anonymizing Tor browser. Rowley says the site is massively popular in the Spanish-speaking hacker underground. I would say it's largely local, and, and that's one of the reasons I make the distinction between Brazilian cybercrime and Spanish-language cybercrime. Having a common language is important to facilitate uh, these conversations and these partnerships and all of that. So oftentimes it, it is uh, people looking for partners in their country to target uh, you know, a bank in their country or whatever, or somebody in the country like three over, but they're still both speaking Spanish. Uh, so it is, it is localized, but of course uh, people come on it speaking English. We've seen people who we believe are, are Russian actors going back and forth between the forums. Saboyachan appears to have a huge number of fans. Here's an excerpt from a YouTube video posted by one of them, who's disguised his identity using a bandana and aviator sunglasses. ¿Cómo están, chicos? Bienvenidos. Vamos a navegar un poco por la deep web en esta ocasión. Ya tengo abierto aquí Cebollachan. Rally says Cebollachan went offline and appeared to be defunct, before mysteriously reappearing not long before she was due to give a presentation on the forum at the RSA conference in San Francisco in April. When it came back online, this was a form that everyone thought was dead, right? So a lot of people started flocking back to it. So we can see accounts that were active years ago coming back online. We see people being like, I don't remember the password to an account from two years ago, but I used to be this person and I just re-registered and I'm so excited to be back. Some darknet forums, such as the now shuttered Alphabay and Hansa, sold everything from narcotics and guns to stolen credit cards and fake IDs. 
But Rowley says Saboya-chan is much more about hacking and fraud. Saboya-chan 3.0 tends to be more cybercrime focused, so we don't see much of the drugs and, and that type of stuff. But we do see uh, databases for sale, either coming from financial institutions or government institutions throughout Latin America. We do see compromised card information, compromised accounts, all sorts of different cybercrime-related services. Now that the form's back online, it's kind of still evolving. You know, who's going to come back? What are they going to be selling? But those are very characteristic of the Spanish language underground. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.